Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Hello, hello, all of my beautiful freaking people. Welcome back to another episode of FML Talk. Today, we are joined by none other than Georgia Louise Harrison herself. I cannot wait for you guys to hear this episode. Sit back, grab a fucking cocktail, and welcome to FML Talk. Oh my god. Wait, how old was the other girl? 19. Can you believe that shit? Hey, this is Gabrielle Stone. Good book. Have you gotten in chapter 6 yet? <gasps> he did what? 48 hours? What a dick. Yeah, but have you seen all the photos on our Instagram? And this is FML Talk. Oh no, she didn't. You guys, if you don't know who Georgia Louise Harrison is, she is from the UK. She is a little firecracker. You might have seen her on Love Island UK, The Challenge, X on the Beach, a whole slew of reality shows. But one thing has stayed true for her throughout the whole thing. She has never really lost who she was. She has been on a huge mental health journey. She's going to open up to us about her upbringing and really the thing that changed her life and sent her in a new direction. I am so excited for you guys to hear this episode. She is so much fun. So let's get into it. Georgia Louise Harrison, welcome to FML Talk. I am so fucking excited to have you here, girl. I'm so excited to be here and thank you so much for inviting me on. Oh my God, you're so welcome. I'm going to try my best not to adopt your accent during this interview. I have a really big problem with when I'm around people from the UK or my family in Tennessee. I start to like go towards their accent. It's a huge problem for me. It happens. I do it with people in Ireland. Oh, good. Okay. I'm not alone. Um, You have had such a crazy life journey um, that I didn't even know about until we kind of connected to to talk about, you know, what went on in your past. So can you kind of take me back to your upbringing and what what went on and what you experienced? So with my family, like I'm very, very loved and I'm very close with my mom and dad at an older age. But during times when I was younger, we had like so many family issues that all sort of happened at the same time. Like my mum's mum passed away really suddenly and she was really close with her mum. So that was just really mentally testing for my mum. And then also my stepmom at the time had bowel cancer and my dad had three kids with my stepmom and lived in another country. So he was having to deal with so much. He had three kids. He had a really ill wife and I wasn't the best of kids at the time. Like I've had ADHD since I was younger. So even though I always meant well, I just wasn't equipped to deal with situations as, you know, most 15 year olds aren't, but it wasn't really spoken about either ADHD at the time. So I was undiagnosed and I just think on top of everything, it was so hard for my mum to deal with. So at about 15, I ended up living in NACRO housing, which is like, it's like you share a room with two, you share a home with two other women. It can be mixed, but mine was always women, luckily. And you have like locks on your doors, but you share the living room and the kitchen. And that was sort of my upbringing for a couple of years until, you know, I evolved as a soul and so did my mom and so did my dad. And we've all managed to come together in a really good space now. But when I look back at that time in my life, it probably caused a lot of trauma for my future life. And um, my mum and dad split up when I was like two and my dad moved to Spain when I was like 11 or something like that. He met my stepmom and he had my brothers and sisters and, you know, that was his life journey and that's what he was meant to do. But as a child, that caused a lot of abandonment issues for me and it caused like really severe feelings of unworthiness and feeling unloved, even though I'm sure that wasn't his intention and, You know, I'm learning that there's so many things that can cause trauma to people. Like you could have had the most perfect upbringing and your mum could have lost you one day in the supermarket, literally for like an hour, two hours. And as a child, you think, you know, you've been abandoned, your family don't care about you. Like you go through such a heightened emotion and you take that on for life. So, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Anyway, but the smallest things can cause it. 
Yeah, 100%. I, my mom always says, you know, I, I've tried so hard to make sure you had this like amazing childhood, but you're always going to fuck your kids up one way or another, whether it's intentional <laughs> or not. Um, and my mom was a great fucking mom, but uh, there, of course, there was still stuff that happened that was completely out of her control. Yeah. So the home that you went to live in, how old were you? Because it, it sounds like it's kind of like a group home or was it more of a boarding school? Like what what was the situation like? No, it's more like, so when I was 15, I moved out and I was living with my best friend and her sister because her sister had adopted her. And then like sort of the only place for you to go if you don't want to live at home at that age is like social care where you have social workers and stuff like that in the UK. It's like support from the government. But I didn't want to be in that sort of a situation. So once I turned 16, it's like, I don't know what they would call it in America. It's like a halfway house. Yeah. So it's just like the council pay for you to have somewhere to go and somewhere to live. But you also have to live with other people who are in similar situations. And, you know, like one of the girls had a, a boyfriend living there and she wasn't meant to. And she was in like a very abusive relationship. So I used to have to listen to them fighting in the night. And like I used to be scared sometimes to leave my room because he was so aggressive. And it wasn't really controlled. Like you would have meetings like once a week or something where someone comes in. But apart from that, you was just completely on your own so you had your own room but like if you want to go to the bathroom or anything like that you're living with these other people yeah who also are probably have their own problems do you know what i mean right of course yeah and so what was the decision for you to go there instead of living with your mom because my mom my mom went to sort of get help for her mental state at the time so she was away like sorting her own mental problems out and that was when I went into the place but like I said with you like my mom's a great mom and so is my dad so that's why I find it hard to talk about because it was such a mad situation at the time fueled by me as well and I never want to knock my parents but that was what it was like she'd lost her mum so suddenly and she'd been through so much at the time anyway that she just needed help she needed to go work on herself and I needed somewhere to go you know Yeah, I think that's really beautiful that you as an adult can look back and be like, I can relate to my mother's mental health struggles that she was dealing with at the time. And I know that I would have needed to go and take care of myself and put myself first and acknowledge the fact that, you know, when we grow up and we realize that our parents are actual people and you're like, oh, okay, it's not just my mom. Like she's dealing with all of her own shit, too. I think that's really beautiful that you can look back and reflect on it in that way. Yeah, I remember like one of my guy mates at the time, I was I was a bit down at one stage and he looked at me and he said, George, you do know that all our parents, like everyone that is meant to handle us, they're all just souls finding their way in the world, just like we are. And it's like when you're older, you understand that. And I actually think in our generation, we're a very strange generation where we've actually came in with more of a higher spiritual knowledge than a lot of our parents. And I think that's how mm. it was meant to be. And We've been so educated on mental health, spirituality, trauma, all of these things that need to be dealt with. Whereas the older generation, they just didn't have that. They just literally had no idea. As much as the internet can be a curse, it's a really good source for understanding like why people act the way they do and how you can heal yourself and others. Yeah, absolutely. 100%. Um, So once you were in the the home and kind of dealing with that experience when was it that you realized like oh shit i have some trauma that that i might need to be working through i've honestly only truly realized it in the last year so like when i was about 17 i was always like really negative not negative i was always a fun person but i was always like the world's against me sort of thing and when i was about 17 my best friend gave me the secret and that's when i began to like manifest And I really got good at it because as soon as I realized it's a thing and you really can control your reality in a way by changing the way that your thoughts are and the way you react to the world, I was like, wow. And so I think for about, I'd say about 10 years, I've always just been like positive thinking, manifesting, positive thinking. Like if anything's negative, I won't let myself think about it. I won't revel in it. I'm like, no, no, I want to manifest. I want to be positive. And then I think the last like, yeah, I've I've been having situations where I've been having like, I've had some panic attacks and I've had like my body actually like, it's like I can feel energy inside me and it needs to be released and I have to breathe into certain chakra points. And I'll, 
I've just been really like anxiety. Like I've had so much, so many symptoms of just severe trauma that just suddenly caught up on me like that. And that's when I realized like, you can't always be positive. You can't sugarcoat everything. And it's so easy in the world of spirituality to do that. But it's actually a problem in itself because I've repressed so much. And now I've started doing certain techniques and stuff like that, like breath work, uh, sound healing, certain yoga things where suddenly I've been taken back to a memory and mm. I didn't even remember it. And I'm like, wow, and I'm, I have to process it. Like even yeah. the other day, I, I suddenly, I was like having almost a panic attack like my body was just in a really strange way and I, I was trying to think like what is this like where is this really coming from and I went back to a memory where I was in school and I was best friends with these twins and I think I'd done something naughty when I was at their house like nothing that was a big deal and their mum said that I couldn't be friends with them anymore so I wasn't allowed to speak to my best friends at all and in school I couldn't see them and I was really really like at the time traumatized by it but I forgot yeah. about like and I got taken back to this moment where I lost my best friends at the age of like eight and it was like I had to process it and it it showed me like you have to take the time to go inside yourself and process this trauma because it's all stagnant bad energy stuck within you causing anxiety and also attracting more situations like the ones that started the trauma and once you release it you give space for new energy to come in Yes, yes. Oh my God, there's so much goodness in what you just said. Summer is here and life is not slowing down for us anytime soon. One of the things we have continuously relied on making our lives so much easier is factor meals. No prep, no mess, no cleanup meals. I have really been off the wagon with my eating since having my son, and for my health, my wellness, and my mental sanity, I have been switching my dinners to more healthy options from Factor. They have 35 different meals and more than 60 add-ons to choose from every week, so I never get bored. And Tay is continuously shocked every time he sits down to eat one because they are so freaking tasty. They have breakfast, lunches, dinners, and desserts. It's a treat to have restaurant-quality food that is so easy to prepare and doesn't come with the insane Postmates bill. Head to factormeals.com slash FMLtalk50 and use code FMLtalk50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. That's code FMLtalk50 at factormeals.com slash FMLtalk50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. Enjoy, FMLers. Um... I, I'm reading this book called The Untethered Soul right now, and he talks about how when you go through experiences in life, um, everything kind of passes through your heart, and when something bad happens to you, it gets stuck, and it like doesn't pass through, and then it's just sitting there, and it, it's it, there's no place for the energy to go, and then when we have an experience that triggers that, it like we feel it right in our heart. It's like a surge, and that's because the energy is sitting there, and it's reminded that that it's, it's still there and it can't pass through. Um, and he talks about when those things come up, you know, to acknowledge them and really see them kind of passing through and flowing outside of your heart. And it resonated with me so much. And it's so poignant to what you just said when stuff is stuck in us. Like, for example, you know, the, the abandonment fear, because I know that so well, as I know you do. Um, if we are holding that within our, our cells and our memory and our soul, we're going to continue to attract situations where we're abandoned so that we're like, see, see, this is what I'm protecting myself from. See, I was right. And your brain wants to validate it. And it's so life-changing when you can let that go and start to reprogram it and attract different things into your life. Yeah, because I, I just couldn't understand. So, so, like, my whole life, I've been good with everything, like, career, money, friends, fame, anything like that I've been able to attract. But my relationships have just been one bad one after another. Like, I was in a really traumatic relationship when I was about 18, and he was just really horrible to me. Like, he would tell me, like, just all awful things about myself, like, make me feel so unworthy, like, call me fat, like, call me a slag, say I was cheating on him. I couldn't even leave the house without having, like, slept with someone else. Do you know what I mean? And yeah. then my next 
boyfriend who I really did care about cheated on me and got another girl pregnant. And then I've had obviously other situations where I've been really exploited and violated. And I'm like, I've got all of these amazing people around me. I've got plenty of lovely men that want to be with me. Why? I'm so unlucky. Why do I keep ending up with these people? And it's not because I'm unlucky. It's because I've got this feeling of unworthiness, abandonment, all of this stuff in myself that I'm not even aware of at all. And my nervous system sees these men and they're like, boom, you're going to make me feel what I'm used to. So the last year, I've just been really going on a healing journey because what I've realized is if I don't want to do this for the rest of my life, like if I want to find true love, someone who treats me properly, someone that I really want to be with, I have to go within myself and resolve this because it's clearly a pattern because there's no other reason for it. Yeah, absolutely. What do you think has been the biggest thing on your healing journey that you can kind of like share with everybody? I don't know because, so I done Cambo a little while ago. So Cambo is Wait, like, what's Cambo? So Cambo, it's like, a, it's basically there's a frog in the Amazon, right? Okay. And years ago, tribes used to use it to, before they went hunting, they burned themselves four times and they put the frog poison on their body. I've actually got like a vlog on it on my YouTube. Okay. And they used to use it to hunt and they thought it would make them more lucky, but it's meant to basically purge all your emotional blockages. Mm. So I saw someone doing it and someone had done it in Dubai because I saw the marks on her arm. And I thought, you know what? I reckon I've got a few emotional blockages. I'll give it a go. So you do it and then suddenly you're really sick, but it's like, it's like yellow sick. It's like toxins. It's like crazy. And then that's about it. So in my head, I thought I've just literally been burnt by a frog, paid 200 quid, and that's that. <laughs> Wait, I'm dead. Is it like, do you get, do you have like a drug trip? Is it like ayahuasca? Or you just get super fucking sick. No, it, it's like a plant medicine. It's not a plant because it's the frog, but it's similar to ayahuasca, but there's no hallucina- hallucinations. There's no like there and then like epiphanies. I was literally right. just really sick. And then after I did feel like my skin was better. I felt elated. Like I felt different, but I wasn't sure if it was a placebo effect. Mm. But following on from that is when I started having these experiences. And like when I talk about it, it's hard because no one could ever relate to it. And they might think I'm crazy, but I wasn't sure if it was almost either me purging my emotional blockages or some form of a Kundalini awakening. But I had this thing about a month later where I could just feel energy going through my whole entire body. And I was having to like just breathe it through and do yoga and breath work sometimes for like 10 to 14 hours. Oh my God. And I wonder if the Cambo and throughout it, I would have these mad experiences where I was going to like good emotions, bad emotions, but I could feel it within my body. And like when you say about your heart and stuff, I would breathe in and it would expand and I would breathe out and I could feel energy coming out. And after even my physical body, like my posture, everything was different, but that went on for about a year. It wasn't all the time, but every now and then, I don't know if it was a trigger or it was to do with certain like times around the moon and stuff like that. But this would just happen to me without, without warning. It was almost like my body was automatically purging this stuff and whether I wanted it to happen or not, it was happening. And those have been really strong releases that I just can't even explain. I'll give you a weird, this is a weird one. And my friends, so I had polycystic ovaries and like in Dubai, I was in hospital for a bit because I had a cyst burst. So I had polycystic ovaries and my hormones were really out of balance, all to do with like my womb and stuff like that. I had liquid in my bladder and um, it came up on the scan when I was in hospital. And they said, when you get back to England, like you need to get checked out. So during one of the times where I was having this energy come through me, I breathed into my vagina, right? Like, I guess your sacral chakra. And when I breathed into it, because I'm really in touch with what I'm feeling, I just felt illness. Like, and I've never had that feeling before. It was like, you know, when you're so sick, you just want your mum. I felt ill on my whole body. And then I felt the energy come out of me and I sort of lost consciousness. And then I woke back up and I just knew something really weird had happened. And like, I thought I pissed myself, but it might not have been pissed. Anyway, <laughs> so I went back to the doctors to have all the scans and I went back to England and they was like, they've never seen anything like it, but within a couple of months, they was like, absolutely everything's gone. They was like, all oh, your wow. you've not got polycystic ovaries anymore. There's nothing, no, none of the cysts are there. And I was like, 
I swear, I breathed into my vagina and it left. And they were looking at me like, you're crazy. And I know it sounds crazy, but like, it's just what I've experienced. And it's hard to speak to people who, who haven't been through it. But I think as the world progresses, I think we've got the power to heal ourselves and a lot more people are going to start to tap into that. Yeah, no, my mom does a ton of work around energetic healing and it so it doesn't sound crazy at all to me. Um, <laughs> and I just, I love the phrase, you know, yeah, I breathed it into my vagina and everything was fine after that. <laughs> but ow. I love it. Um, that's amazing. So where, when was it in your life that you went from... I, I mean, I guess like a normal lifestyle to kind of being more in the public eye. What was that transition like? So I was about 19. And when I first got the secret that my friend gave me, it was like, you know, think of something that you can manifest in your life, but it needs to be a bit believable. Um, so I was like, all right, I'm going to go on The Only Way is Essex, which is a TV show based on our area, but it was huge in England. It was a bit like The Hills. Mm. So I used to just all the time write down my manifestations and I would just imagine myself on the advert. I would imagine myself like walking towards the camera. I'd imagine myself with all the cast, a few of which were my friends, but it was always in my head and always kept to myself because like it's embarrassing. I wouldn't be like to my friends, oh, I really want to go on that show. But I right, just right. something that could change my life if it happened. And then everything just started changing in my world where like I would just suddenly be in situations where everyone was filming there or I would like be involved in some sort of a relationship with people that were on there. And then before I knew it, they rang me and they were like, you know, hi, Georgia, I was living in Marbella. Do you want to um, just drop everything and come film for TOWIE next week in Ibiza? And I was a shot girl at the time. I literally, I didn't have a pot to piss in. I was living in my car at one point for two weeks and like breaking into hotels to use their shower with my best friend. Oh my Still God. And I was just like, yeah, sure. And I knew that I had manifested that because I wasn't looking for places to be, to be on the show. I wasn't like going out there to get on it. It was just coming around me. And that was like my first taste of fame. I had to go in there on my own. I wasn't allowed to tell anyone I was coming. And all of the cast members are like, they've been on there for years. So it was big egos. And um, it was a lot for me. It, it's what changed my life and put me in the on the TV for the first time. I got like 60,000 followers. I was all over the press, but like, I just wasn't equipped to deal with it at that age. And so just from that first experience, was that like the the first like it really like set you off no so i was on there for about two seasons and in the end they dropped me from the show it, it was for multiple different reasons but it was more a storyline sort of thing but they basically brought me on with the intention of me dating a guy and uh. i didn't like him and i was like i'm not gonna like it, it wasn't like Love Island where you go on a couple of dates it was like if i'm going out of him i'll be going out of him in real life and i just didn't want to like date someone just to be on a TV show, like I'm gonna have sex with him and stuff. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, and yeah. So I just didn't go along with like my purpose on the show and it didn't work out. So that was hard for me because I was embarrassed and I had to go back to the office and people were always like, oh, so what are you doing now? Like you got dropped from TOWIE, like always saying things like that. And I would just think, I don't even care. Do you know I mean? I'm just gonna get on my life and be happy. But then when I was 21, I got asked to do Love Islands. And it was weird because they don't ever bring anyone on that's been on TV shows before. Oh. So I was really lucky to get to go on. And everyone who was on my last show, like, were like, you know, they can do that show for 10 years and they will never get a week's worth of followers off of Love Islands. And I can tell that they right. were burning because so many people reveled in my in my demise. <laughs> and then I yeah. got on there and that was it. I got like 800,000 followers. I was then literally a celebrity in the UK. I loved the experience. I loved everyone I met from it. And that was the real turning point in my life. But yeah. TOWIE was just the lead up to it. Yeah. And like, I was so nervous on camera on TOWIE. Like as soon as the camera would hit me, I wasn't myself. Like I wasn't mm. just talking like I am now to you. I was thinking, oh, what does she think I look like? And when people watch this, what are they going to think if I say this? And I learned a lot from it. So going on Love Island, I was just me. I was ready for it. I had the experience and it was a real serendipity. Yeah. Um, how being on Love Island and when when your life kind of changed from like the public perspective, did that start to affect your mental health at all? Or were you kind of like, all right, this is like, I'm happy doing this. 
No, like, I, do you know what? It didn't. I think, like, I would get a bit of trolling, but a lot of what I got was positivity. But, like, mm-hmm. I always had... I always had the mindset to look at it from a bigger picture. And it was like, I could look at it from where I'd been living in my car, working as a shop girl where people would walk past and like slap my ass and knock my tray. And like, I'd done such awful jobs that once I was in that situation, even though there was certain negativity and a lot of pressure, I could always see it from the bigger perspective of like, you wanted this, you've got it. And like, it's amazing. I mean, 10% of it might be hard, but 90% of it is like, I get to inspire people. I get to meet new people. I get so much shit for free. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) You're like, I went from living in my car and breaking into hotel rooms, trying to shower to getting sent lots of free shit. I'm here for it. So do you know what I mean? If you want to tell me I'm ugly and my hair looks shit today, go for it, babe, because I'm sitting at home with a free takeaway. Do you know what I mean? Just had my eyelashes done, got a lovely blow dry. So you can say I look like shit, but at least I don't pay for it. (laughs) Oh my God, I love it. And when did you get the call to go on the challenge? So this is actually quite funny because I would always say that the challenge was the best thing I've ever done. Like not in terms of my followers, but just the experience, the people I met, the way it changed my character. Like, so I applied for another show called Celebs Go Dating in England and I never got it and I was devastated. Like I wanted it so bad. And my agent was like, you've got this show, The Challenge. And I'm like, all right, let's have a little look. So I've had a look and they're all just like beating each other up. And they're all like these big girls. Like, and I'm like, I'm not <laughs> doing that, Neil. Do you know what I mean? I'm like, I just want to have a pina colada and like kiss some boys. Like, I just don't want to do that. <laughs> like, and he's like, babe, like, you've got nothing else on the table. Like, you've got no other opportunities. So like, pack your fucking bag. So I was like, shit, right. So I just got on the plane and I thought... Who knows? I'm just going to do my best. I'll probably get sent home in a week. And then I got there and I got put in these mad situations where I'm having to wrestle people. I'm having to jump off of like plane simulations. I'm getting dragged behind lorries. And I just absolutely loved every second of it. And I always think of that. I think, you know, when you don't get something, you shouldn't in life think, oh, this is the worst thing ever, which is how I felt about Celebs Go Dating. Because actually the universe gave me something 10 times better that I didn't even know existed. And sometimes right, right. That, even if you don't get the specific thing you're going for, the universe will probably give it to you, but just in another format. And you've just got to have that faith. Yes. Oh my God. So many times in my life, I've been so steadfast on like, okay, this is what I want. This is how it's going to happen. I see it very, very clearly. And then it doesn't, but it happens in a completely different way that I never would have even thought about. Yeah. So, for people manifesting, I always say like you have to put in your order and like be very specific about what you want and then like let go with how it's going to show up because yeah. you are not in control. Um, and it could come in the most roundabout way that you would never even think was an option. Yeah. And I think that's what a lot of people don't understand about manifesting is the art of allowing and like the difference between wanting something and needing something. Like a need is that like negative energy where you look every day at like the money on your dream board and you're like, I really need that money because I'm so skin. But the difference is like just having a good day, you've got your music on, you're having a dance, you look at the dream board and you think that's going to be mine, you know, and then you just dance past. Yes. That's the difference. And it took me a while to learn that as well because I found it like I would like manifest things and then lose them and manifest them because once I was like getting near something, my energy would change where I like needed more. But really, Mm. try your best to just allow the world to be as it is and trust that things are going to come. Yes. Oh, my God. It's so interesting that you say that because right now in my life, I'm going through that moment where I feel a bunch of things that I've been really wanting and manifesting on that they're like, on their way and almost here and I'm in that kind of in between where I'm so fucking impatient and the universe con- the universe continually just keeps being like bitch can you just go have fun and like allow shit to show up for you like just chill the fuck out exactly. and I'm like I don't I don't know how to chill guys can I get some help over here <laughs> and that's the thing when you can see on the horizon sometimes you think you know oh I'm not going to go out with my friends tonight because I know I'm going to get this thing soon so instead I'm going to try really hard to get all of this together but like you're not meant to you're meant to go with your friends you're meant to have a good time and then it will just you need to be in the receiving mode and it's so easy to go into the not receiving mode when you're close 
Yes. Oh my God. So spot on. Um, okay. So you go and do the challenge. What was so life-changing about the experience for you? I think it was just like realizing, like, first of all, everything I'd ever done TV wise had always been about like just being a bit funny and like flirting with boys and all stuff like that. But this was like, it showed me what I can achieve. It showed me like how hard of a situation I can put get put in and I will still do it. Like to have to get down in front of like my first week, I got put in this elimination thing and I'm with Hunter. He was my partner and the production gave me a helmet and a um, gum shield. And they're like, right, you need to get in a pit now. And you and this girl are going to fight over a bowl. And it's like <laughs> a proper, it's like a Roman thing where every, there's 30 people like, oh, they're all watching you. And you're in a pit, the ball gets dropped from the ceiling and you've got to run and get it and then fight each other. And we were fighting for over an hour. And I'm like, Hunter, like, I'm an Instagram model. Like, I'm not fighter. And he's like, well, Georgia, you gotta wrestle. And I'm like, oh, I don't wanna wrestle. And I just threw myself in and I, I done things that really scared me, like confrontation, like fighting that really scared me. And it showed me just like how tough I can be and how much I can achieve. Yeah, absolutely. And I, God, the season was so long ago. I've watched all of them religiously from the beginning. I've been a fan of them um, and I'm friends with Tori, which is how you and I connected. Um, I've had Kara on the show now. Um, So you did pretty well on that season, correct? Yeah, I got to the final and I think that was a bit similar to like what I was just saying to you because I didn't think I was going to get anywhere. I wasn't right. trying to get anywhere. I didn't have an ego. I was just there and I was like hoping for the best. And it just kept working out for me. Yeah, you turned out to be a strong fucking bitch, dude. And not <laughs> just an Instagram model. You were like yeah. killing it. <laughs> yeah. Um, ha- and have you gone back after that season? Yeah, I done the second one. Tori actually sent me home, but we was friends. Oh, and that's right. Like, I went to Thailand and I got double cross and I ended up having to go against her. But it was in more of a puzzle format. So it wasn't like a bad demise. But I was that season was just so testing for me. Like I loved the first one, but the second one was just like all about everyone has such a big ego, including myself. Like recently I've read this book called um, The New Earth by Eckhart Tolle. And Mm -hmm. what I've realized is when you start getting good at something, when you start getting successful at something, it's really easy to stop making it about the love and the joy of it. And you start getting this ego of, you know, I'm really good. I need to be the best. I can be a fighter. And instead of just like loving the moment, I was probably like always just thinking about getting to the final winning. Whereas on my first one, I was just like, couldn't even believe I made it past week one. And it was so much easier. And I feel like I really had like, a reality check from that season where even though I still done really well and you know I was honest to myself and I didn't do anything I regretted I know that my ego got a bit of a control of me then but that was at a time when I didn't even know what an ego was right right and like not having the awareness of why holding on like this instead of just letting go and having fun there's such a difference in that and it's so much harder to actually do it than saying it. Like, I know it very well. I know that that's a thing, but to actually do it is a whole nother ordeal. Exactly, exactly. (laughs) Um, When when you finished that season, were how did you start feeling like in regards to reality TV? Were you like, this is something I'm gonna continue doing? Were you like, I need to take a break? No, like, I always like reality TV and I always love the challenge. It'll be one of my favorite ones. I actually done X on the Beach after that season, which was fun, but like, it's a bit boring compared to the challenge. <laughs> yeah. but, um, one thing that I've been like really finding with myself recently is um, every show I've ever done has just been about me. It's been about like me making money, me being famous, people finding me funny, people liking me. And like one thing I really want to change is. I want to help people a bit like you do. Like I want to find a way to show my spiritual side and try and guide people to a new higher life and a higher power. And reality TV won't ever give you that opportunity because it's boring. Do you know what I mean? And as much as I love it, I want to find a way to, to make what I do less about me and more about changing people the way my moment, my life changed the moment my friend gave me the secret. Like everything in my life changed because someone just flipped a switch like that in my head. And I want to be that person yeah. that flips that switch, but reality TV doesn't give you that platform. 
Right, right. No, but it's given you the platform to have the followers that now will be able to go on that new journey with you, which I think is amazing. Yeah. Um, So you mentioned earlier having the pattern of toxic relationships in your in your life um which is a pattern i know a lot of my listeners are familiar with and we talk a lot about on the show which you you referenced earlier too that when there's patterns in your life there is something within you that is attracting that so even if people are like why am i so you know like you said unlucky with all these men that are cheating on me Obviously, no, you don't deserve to be cheated on. But if there is a pattern of that happening, there's something in you that's attracting that. So now that you've become more aware of all of this, how have you tried to implement, you know, the the manifesting and what you learned with the secret and patterns and such uh, as far as it relates to your relationships in your life? Honestly, I just don't attract anyone now, which isn't good. You're like every, everybody fuck off. Yeah, no, it's not good, but it's better than attracting arsehole. So I've really gone through, like, the last two years, a complete dry spell within my life. And um, it's like I'm not going for these arseholes anymore. I'm not going for the red flag, guys. But I haven't managed to get into a space where I'm attracting the right person. But I think that's because I've still got a little way to go with like releasing my traumas. And I have attracted a couple of guys that I liked and I would get like a, a few weeks into dating them and I think, oh, I really like you. But I've managed to to see from a bigger perspective that actually they're the same sort of person. Um, mm. Maybe not as bad, but I know that they're like emotionally unavailable. And the reason I'm attracted to them is still because of this thing with inside me. So I've managed to take a step back from anything that I think is going to lead me back down that path. So unfortunately, like my vagina is like dry as the Grand Canyon right now. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> it's better than like it being so wet because I've cried on it. That's right. That's right. <laughs> oh my God. I'm dead with that analogy. Um, what It's really interesting to hear you say that you've gone into certain relationships um, or dating and then recognized those similarities and taken a step back. I think that's very hard to do when you're in that new and exciting, oh, I like this person phase. Yeah. Um, are there some specific red flags that you've been able to be like, mm, that's a that's a warning sign that you've been able to recognize in those relationships? Yeah, just where it's been things where it's just all talk and no action, you know, when they act like they really like you and I think, oh my God, this guy really likes me and I like him so much. But then like, they're not taking me to nice places, you know, they just want to come around mine and like have dinner around mine or like they don't like consistently message me, which is obviously what I find attractive. And they're like, oh, I've been busy and stuff like that. And I'm like, the old me would be like, oh, he's been busy, but he really loves me. And like, that's why he's not answered for two days and then text me at three in the morning. But like, really, like the new me is like, like, bitch, like, don't be stupid. Like, if yes. he you, you would know he would be showing up for you. And you can't allow like that brain within yourself to let these excuses become truths because they're not true that's just, right i've fallen for it so many times that now i can just finally see it and even though i want to react to it because of course i'm lonely at times and i would love to be with someone that i find attractive i need to have more respect for myself if i ever want to find that proper relationship so acknowledging those red flags and taking a step back from them is like really important Yes, because what that's doing is saying, no, universe, I don't accept this. This is not good enough. Um, and we need to deliver something that's better. Otherwise, you're saying, yeah, this is acceptable. Keep sending me bullshit like this. This is fine. So let's just take a moment to remind everybody that if he's not texting you, he's not busy. No. He's not too busy. There's nothing going on that's making him too busy to fucking text you. So that means he doesn't he's not that into it. If he's not showing up for you, if he's not taking you different places, like if he's not sure about his feelings, if he's like, oh, maybe I need some time to figure this out or I don't want to put a label on this. All of that means fucking no and yeah. move on. Exactly. Like all of that is is less than what we're accepting. Yeah, and it's a waste of time. I love how you put that. Like it's showing the universe that this isn't what I'm going to accept in my life. You need to send me something better. Yeah, and... How do you, because I know a lot of people can relate to what, what you're saying as far as like going through two years of, of a dry canyon vagina. Um, what do you think um, you can tell people that are that are going through, you know, not 
settling and staying by themselves, um, how to combat kind of feeling that like loneliness? I mean, I don't even know. It's like one thing that always helps me is reading, obviously. So there's so many things within books that that give me the spiritual practices to go within myself. And it's hard when you're in a, in a lonely situation to actually turn that around. But like, you know, like inner meditations, inner love meditations where you can go into yourself and you can feel deep love for yourself. That's the best thing. But when you're actually feeling like, like when you're actually just feeling lonely, I think you just got to feel it. Do you know what I mean? Like put on a good film, have an early night, go to sleep and just have faith that whatever you want's coming. Like you've got to think, like you've manifested so much in your life. You've manifested your house. You've manifested the car you drive, a good family. Like there is a universe, there is a higher power who's been working for you in every other way. So do you really think that it would let you spend the rest of your life alone? It won't. It just needs you to be alone for this small amount of time to maybe work on yourself and you've just yeah. got to try and look at it from that that you've just got to have faith and you've just got to trust yeah and then also just reach out to your friends reach out to your family and just remember that like you don't need a relationship a romantic relationship necessarily you've got so much support in other ways yeah and finding a community i think is really yeah. important in that too i think that's why people listen to the podcast and, you know, really feel like, okay, this is where I can get my little therapy dose. And like my, I, I feel like everybody collectively is on this journey with me. And I think that's so important to, to feel as well. Yeah, exactly. And also you don't want to always come from a place of lack. So it's okay to feel them emotions sometimes, but one thing, one thing that I love is like, so we all know that manifestation is a thing. It's important to go over yourself and look for trauma and recognize that. But it's also important just to try and be happy because if you're happy or even if you're just in a state of satisfaction or acceptance, that's a place that you can manifest from. So if you are getting these feelings where you're feeling a bit lonely, it's either because you're thinking about a past time where you think you were happier because you was with someone else, or you're thinking about a future time when you're like, I need to meet someone in the future because I'm on my own and I'm worried I'm going to be on my own forever. And like the best thing you can do when you're in that state of mind is come into the present moment. And that's what I learned from Eckhart Tolle's books, that the present moment is the most important moment. It's the only thing that exists. And there's no way of being truly unhappy within the present moment unless you're like sitting in a volcano or something. Do you know what I mean? So like, <laughs> do you know what I mean? So, so try and turn them thoughts up in your head because then thoughts of I'm lonely, I'm sad, I, the past, the future, that isn't you. That's your ego in your head thinking that it needs something. And all you can do is think, right, do you know what? This is making me feel like shit right now. It's not getting me anywhere. So I'm going to turn off my thoughts and I'm going to have a look around me. You know, I'm going to take a deep breath. I'm going to look at the road signs. I'm going to look at a book. I'm going to watch the telly and I'm going to do everything I can to just stay in this present moment. And the present moment is where you're most powerful because that is where the more you learn to stay in that moment, you learn to turn your thoughts off and just be fully present. That is where you go within the receiving mode. So if you feel a bit lost and you think you don't know what to do, sometimes action isn't required. The best thing you can physically do is get in that moment, turn the thoughts off. And the more you do it, the easier it will get, the longer the periods of time in the present moment will become. And before you know it, you know, you've got a sexy man in your bed. Yes, I love that. And not, again, not being so attached to what it might look like when it shows up. Like my current relationship, when he walked into my life, I was like, well, no, I mean, he's 15 years older than me. He has a daughter. Like, this is not what the package was supposed to look like in yeah. my life. So I thought, um, cut to four years later, and I'm like, oh my God, thank God. <laughs> like, this was the best thing that ever happened to me. Um, so to let go of the attachment of what you think it's going to look like when it does show up is so fucking important. I cannot stress that enough. It's been in my life so many times. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, that's a really good point, actually. That is a good point. I'm seeing like your wheels turning. You're yeah, like, oh, no, shit. I was like, that, that is, no, it is, it, it's important. And that's where you give people more of a chance as well. Yeah, for sure. Um, so without going into, you know, 
what it was. I know that there's been some things that have happened in your life that, you know, was in the press and like caused a lot of stress on you. How was it dealing with that for your mental health um, in such a public forum? I think it was one of the hardest things I've ever had to deal with. And I think when you go through such a exploitation within the media at such a high level to the point where everyone you've ever loved or known is aware of it, it's almost like stages of grief. So like I lost my best friend recently and obviously that was a lot worse, but I can relate to that being the same thing. Like one minute you're okay and the next minute you're just like really, really broken. Like you're just crying, you're in sheds of tears. And like I had to spend a lot of time on my own and I just had to process it just like grief if you ignore it 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 will catch up on you so it was just a whole lot of like ups and downs of one minute you're okay and the next minute you're just like completely and utterly shattered and I think it's definitely changed like my ability to trust people which is unfortunate but there's nothing you can do about that and it's it's going to take a lot for that to for a man to be able to change that part of me I think Mm, yeah. So you feel like that's one of the things that's kind of in the heart blockage center right now? Yeah, 100%. 100%. Although I feel like, I feel like that's probably, I processed that a lot more than some of the things when I was younger, because I I had the ability to process it and I knew I had to. Whereas when I was younger, I think I repressed, repressed a lot. And I think that's what I hold on to a lot more. Yeah. Did you, do you feel that what you went through because it was on such a public scale made it more difficult for you to manage and deal with mentally? Do you know what? One in a way, yes. But then also in another way, no, because I had so much support. Like I have a lot of women that go through similar situations where in one way or another, they've been exploited online and it's sort of sent around their friendship groups and they know everyone can see it, but no one really knows about it. So at home, like in their head, like people think so many, they think that their family think they're disgusting. They think everyone's judging them. They think everyone's like walking past going, oh, like I know what happened to her. She sort of got exploited online. But really people just probably don't bring it up to them. And and if they opened a lot of conversations with the people that they love, I'm sure a lot of the people that know them would sit them down and be like, fuck that shit, man. And like, we love you so much. Who gives a fuck? Like everyone has yeah. sex. Like you don't deserve to feel like shit. Like you're an amazing person. And as much as having a very public situation was harder for me because everyone knew about it, the only positive I can take from it is I had so many messages of support and love from Mm -hmm. almost a million people telling me like, you know, it's okay and we love you and you've got nothing to be ashamed of. And in a way that really did help me through it because it, it, it just answered all the questions that so many people have in their heads because it was so public. Whereas a lot of women don't get to hear that. Right. Right. That's actually a really beautiful way of looking at it. I know um, I have friends that have gone through really public divorces and it's they like are just they shut down because it's so much outside opinions coming in that they're like, I just can't even the embarrassment. I can't. Um, And that's a really positive spin to look at it that way. I love that. Yeah. And like, just, I just ignore people that give me, anyone that gives me hate or or trolls me or anything like that, because I get it a lot. I can't go on a live anymore with brands or anything like that, because every time Mm. I do an Instagram live, all people have to say is about that situation. And what I've realized is like, I just feel so sorry for them people. Like when anyone gives any sort of hate to me, I don't really take the hate on so much. I just see them as like, obviously really lost troubled people who are driven by their egos, which I now completely understand. And if they could come within themselves and separate themselves from the hate in their head, they wouldn't act like that. So I don't really see what they say as a reflection of me. I actually see it as a reflection of them. Yeah. Abs- oh my God. Absolutely. I've, I I get a lot of trolls on TikTok specifically, mm-hmm. and it's usually like triggered men that are like, well, you must have not been sucking dick at home or you <laughs> should have made more sandwiches for your husband. Like just like stupid stuff. And it, it's, it, it is, it's a complete reflection of them. Like 
why you would ever feel the need to stop scrolling, watch a video, click the comment button, write something hateful. Like it's sad and it may, it's, it's sad for those people. Exactly. Because it is just there in a trauma coming out online. Yeah. So what do you feel like is next for you now that you've kind of, you've done a bunch of the reality TV, you have this amazing platform now and you're so much more self-aware on your healing journey. What do you feel like is something you might want to explore next? Well, I'm going to be coming to LA for in July for at least a month, maybe three. Oh, cool. Yeah. Yeah. And I just love it there. So I'm really, really excited about that. Um, oh, amazing. And I think for me, I just want to sort of channel the knowledge that I've learned from other people into my social media feeds. So it's just figuring out the best platform to do that on maybe YouTube, maybe even starting my own podcast. That's been something I wanted to do for a while. So I yeah. think, I think, yeah, the next stage for me is concentrating on helping the collective as well as myself with my platform and just moving it a little bit more towards spirituality and self-help. Yeah, I love that. I think that's anytime people can move towards spirituality and self-help when they have a big platform, I think that helps so many people and the collective consciousness in such a big way. So I'm so glad to hear that that's the route you're trying to go to. Exactly. And like, if you go on like small feed, you know, most girls have got like fashion, guys, food, like it's all everything on my explore page is just spirituality, quotes, like all of this stuff that I need in my life to like help me understand myself and like each stage that I'm going. Yeah. And I'm like, so why doesn't my Instagram page look like my explore page? It should. And that's what I'm starting to do. Mm. I'm starting to make it mirror more of what I actually look at on other people because just because I've not been that person all my life doesn't mean I can't be. Like sometimes you feel like, oh, I'll be a bit of a fraud if I start suddenly doing all this like spiritual speaking and all that because that isn't me but like you can be whoever you want like I'm you don't need to be defined by what you've been your whole life or who people think you are like you can literally be whoever and whatever you want and you can start from today oh, I love that so much yes to that girl um can you tell everybody where they can find you online to come keep up with you please yeah so I am Georgia Louise Harrison on Instagram TikTok I think all of the platforms and on YouTube I'm the Georgia Harrison show but I don't post a lot on there but I've got a load of content so once I get an editor I'll be on there thank you so much girl it was so great to hear about your journey and to connect with you I I just think you're you're such a bright light in this world so I appreciate you coming on no thank you so much for having me honestly I think you are so inspirational. Like, I absolutely loved your book. I love everything you stand for and you are making such a difference in people's lives. So well done. Oh, thank you, my love. I appreciate it. I want to thank Georgia so much for coming on and opening up about so much on her mental health journey and the things that she's done to really turn her life around. I hope you guys got some good stuff out of hearing this one. As always, make sure you are subscribed so you never miss an episode. Keep up with us on Instagram at FML Talk Podcast. If you need more FML content, you can get five full seasons of mini bonus episodes and join the Self Love Club at patreon.com slash FML Talk. If you want to watch the interviews live in studio, you can go to youtube.com slash FML Talk. I love you guys so much, and as always, have a self-love cocktail on me. Cheers. Welcome to As a Woman, Fertility Hormones and Beyond. I'm your host, Dr. Natalie Crawford, and I am a fertility physician and co-founder of Fora Fertility in Austin, Texas. We will talk about a wide range of topics, including the menstrual cycle, your hormones, infertility, IVF, mental health, and, well, beyond. So join us and become part of the community of collaboration that amplifies others as a woman. This podcast has been brought to you by Podcast Nation.